Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. So before we start today's show, I wanted to get a word from our sponsor. So who here has tried to sell a house and been told by a real estate agent, yeah, mate, yeah, this piece of shit of a house, I'll get you 800000 for this. No worries at all. Only to be told three weeks later, or two weeks later, or whatever, oh, no, you, you'll have to drop the prices. You're just not getting any interest. And then it gets passed at auction, and you're stressed out trying to sell it because you've got mortgage payments, bills, and everything else that comes with life. Well, stress no more. Barry Plant Craigieburn will look after you without the stresses of trying to sell a house. I've had first-hand experience in selling a house with Barry Plant, and they've smashed the reserve price quite easily both times. Also, if you are looking at renting an investment property, they will look after you as well with getting the best tenants possible with thorough background checks. You don't have to do anything except watch the rent come in into your account. Barry Plant will take care of everything. No stress and no worries. Just ask for Damien Cavalli at uh, Barry Plant Craigieburn or any of the other friendly staff and they will look after you. Just say hashtag kangaroos or Dean or Dean Vasic recommended you. Also, Damien's North supporter, so he's more than happy to ch- chat about North while he's uh, looking after your best interest as far as buying or selling a house or even renting an investment property. So just call Barry Plant Craigieburn on 9305-5533 or go to www.barryplant.com.au. Anyways, that's it. On with the show. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on Twitter at hashtag Kangas or on Instagram at hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. So today I was continuing the end of season player reviews with Jesse. Now, before we uh, did all that and went through uh, seven names, oh, we did do a little bit of chatting about uh, trading period. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about that. Jason on Francis, is he is he going or is he staying? Um yeah, a GWS wanting pick one and a number of other things as well. So I won't hold you up anymore. It's a fairly long chat. Um, I'll bring on Jesse right now. All right. So I'm once again joined by Jesse. Now, Jesse, I've got you on to do uh, end of season player reviews for a few players. Um, but before we do that, obviously, there's been a lot of talk and uh, a lot of things happening in the trade world. So we might as well go to the trade that is officially confirmed. Um, Griffin Logan, Darcy Tucker, you happy with those two individuals and that they can make an immediate impact in 2023 for the team? Oh, absolutely. Look, I really rate, um, you know, Griffin Logue uh, in particular. He was a top 10 pick back in the 2016 draft, I believe. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely a key defender who's been forced to play forward um, as a bit of a necessity. Uh, you know, he was really the, the defender at Fremantle who had the most forward craft. He had the most versatility, so they had to, um, you know, put him forward because of the you know, lack of presence they really had up forward this year. But, you know, he's a key defender. He'll slot in perfectly next year next to Mackay. Um, he really, you know, he'll take that second key forward, which in turn allows Core to play third. Um, which I think is a much better setup. I think we can all agree that even if Walker does stay on next year, um, it probably needs to be at depth, as depth at most. Um, most of the weeks you want Core as your third and the other two as your primary defenders. Um, with Walker, who can come in, obviously, if there's any injuries or anything like that. Um, but I think it makes for a lot a lot better of a setup. So, you know, I'm really, really keen. He's, he's paid played what 64 odd games and you can tell he's just he's wanting to cement his spot down back so i i'm really really excited to get him into the team um i mean tucker's a little bit harder to get a read on um i mean his best year statistically was was you know 2019 he averaged 19 disposals that year um and i think he even said it in his interview when he when he when he joined is you know he he feels like his best spot is midfield although he's played down back up forward on the flanks i mean He's played 108 games, and I think he played 13 or 14 this year. So it does add an older body to the mix, which is, you know, uh, always good. Um, adds a lot of experience, he's, and he's come from, you know, a good culture at Fremantle. Um, you know, they've they've obviously built really, really well under under their new coach and, and the last few years, and they've um, I think that he adds a little bit more to the mix. Now, whether or not he comes in and plays... Um, you know, on those flanks, because um, I don't think he's a starting midfielder with our midfield, but whether or not he comes in and plays flanks or wing, um, 
or at worst he's you know adding depth around the VFL. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him and, if, in, and what uh, Clarko uses him to do. Yeah, I I don't think he'll play midfield to be honest with you. Uh, no. I've seen him as that uh, halfback flanker, like a rebound and defender type. Um, I think you know Clarkson likes those left footers. He reminds me a bit of uh, you know like a Brent Guerra sort of type of player. That, yeah, cool. um, yeah, like he's just got that good left foot. Uh, he likes the highly skilled uh, rebound defenders that have got uh, good skills. That's where I see him as. I mean, he, he did talk in the interview that he's talking up uh, the midfield. Yeah, but like he said, I, I can't see him getting a game ahead of you know, LDU, Cunnington, Simkin. You know, let's just no. touch on you. And no, I think up. I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, I think. Clarko would be looking at him and going, yeah, but that's someone off the half, you know, the half back line with a bit of run, some skill. Um, you know, it, it allows us to then reposition Stevenson and stuff like that. You know, things that we did last year, and it gives us a bit of depth off that position at, which is, yeah. So I, I think it was a good deal. Um, it obviously was part of the load deal. Um, but I mean, ultimately, the picks that we gave up for that. I mean, the whole deal was a, steal, was a complete steal for North. And I think the thing that I enjoyed the most is what you saw in Fremantle's press release when they were talking about Logue in particular, and they said, oh, we think this is a fair deal given the threat of, um, of, of, of you know, being able to walk uh, Logue to the preseason draft. And oh, I actually think that um, Viney probably, <laughs> probably made that threat. I think David Noble said on Trade Radio that knowing Viney, he would have, Definitely made that threat. So uh, it's good to see us being a bit more ruthless than we were probably last year. Um, but the fact that we got both of them for two picks that were given to us, um, and I think we got a third back for a fourth, it was a complete steal. So I'm not going to complain about it in the slightest. No, that's right. Um, yeah, no. Was, I mean, yeah, Darcy Tucker was almost a little bit of a throwing. Um, I mean, we, we had that third rounder from the AFL anyway, so it's, we, we might as well just use it with that. I mean, it just makes it a lot easier. And we get a fourth rounder. But they get a fourth rounder and um, exchange the third rounders or whatever it was. So, yeah, it's it's not – yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty pretty good deal uh, for us. And I think we're uh, threatening every uncontracted player to come to us um, in the preseason draft, like a Josh Dunkley, um, uh, Junior Rioli was mentioned that uh, West Coast might even make him walk and stuff and so forth. So, yeah, it's, uh, we might be getting 10 players with that number yeah, one. Yeah, it's going to be great. That would be good, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to be able to trade that um, first pick in the preseason <laughs> draft, wouldn't it? You could you could trade it to a Brisbane or something for for some probably some pretty good currency and you'd absolutely screw another club in the process. So, um, yeah, maybe that's something they should look at, the ability to trade um, trade picks in the, in the, in the rookie draft. Yeah, a lot of teams talk like that too. They they all say, "Yeah, we're going to let him walk if we don't get a fair deal." Um, but at the end of the day, it might, you know, ninety nine times out of hundred, uh, deals are going to get done. And I think we had the well, we had the first uh, pick in the preseason draft last year, and we didn't even end up using it. So, and uh, I think the rookie draft, we we took Jared Pollack. So, yeah, yeah. It, can, it can be a bit overhyped that uh, preseason draft. It can, it can. So we'll uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, speaking of ruthless, uh, it seems like we. Getting a bit ruthless with Jason on Francis, and rightfully so. He's a generational talent. Um, where do you where do you think we're at with him? Do you, I mean, is it almost edging that he might even stay? When the news first came out, I my immediate reaction is that a deal will get done, and my reaction up until probably today is that a deal would get done. I've had some doubts creep in in terms of there is a chance that he could stay, and. You know, I think the confusing thing around that is that every single day we seem to get multiple media reports, and then by the end of the day, they're rubbished. So, and proven like they, 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 that they never actually happened. I think we've had all these players linked to different clubs as part of the deal, and then that never actually happened. So, look, it does sound like there's some substance in this three way deal with West Coast. Um, I think everyone's reporting that all three clubs are discussing that, and that would net us at the pick two. Um, I mean, that sounds fantastic going to the draft with. Um, with one and two, depending on obviously what we do with those, but you know, no one can kind of get the 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 itty bitties of the of the deal. In my opinion, it can't just be picked two for Horn Francis. It needs to be picked two and 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 another future or a current first. Um, but the other problem is that, that the, the deals being proposed don't sort uh, help West Coast out at all. It just seems to be Port running away with two players for for you know stuff all. So yeah. it's. 
It seems like Port is really talking the talk, but when it comes to walking the walk, they're barely crawling at the moment. They're, it's, it's a bit disappointing, you know. They've obviously made a commitment to Jason and his family um, and are now outright refusing to play ball with not just us, but anyone else who, you know, wants to get involved. You know, they're carrying on because we're inquiring about players and they're saying, oh, you can't talk about, you know, you can't request those. They're contracted. So it's Horn Francis, you know, you've got to... They seem to be... Uh, they seem to be a bit laughable at the moment, Port Adelaide, but I mean, can you expect much better from a club led by a Channel 7 presenter? So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting how it goes down. It is sounding like there is a chance of him staying. Um, I did find it interesting in Taron's interview yesterday that he's flying over there to go see him and have a chat with him. I saw a few people go, maybe Clarko sent him over there as to, to try and lure him back in. But um, look, there is a chance he stays, and if he stays, I'd hope, that he is a competitive enough person, um, I believe he is, to fight the year out, uh, give it a real crack under under the new coaching and uh, regime. But um, I, I still think a deal probably gets done. And look, as you said, he, he is a generational talent. So it is going to be disappointing. Um, you know, he could be the next Patrick Dangerfield. But yeah. if we can net something fair in return, I mean, we need a lot of quality kids. We've got a lot of holes. So... It's going to be interesting what we do. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they don't want to give up any players. I mean, every player was sort of mentioned, uh, Georgiades, uh, Butters, um, and um, yeah, not, a couple of others. They've sort of said, no, no, they don't want to leave, so we're not, we're not going to um, you know, trade them or anything like that. So, yeah, they're playing a bit of hardball, but at the end of the day, they don't have the leverage here. So, I mean, you know, he's no, still a contract to play under North. So. No, well, their only leverage is that if it goes to next year, then he's a going to be worth less because you know we potentially they can potentially you know um he can go to the draft and end up somewhere else but i mean make your threats at the end you know we might end up down the bottom of the you know next year anyway so you know yeah. they've got they've got to sort of deal out for us which is fair I, I think it will get done um i mean it'll be sad to see him go obviously but i i think a deal will, will get done well the only player that's been thrown in is riley bonner uh does that excite you uh yeah, it doesn't do a lot for me personally, <laughs> uh, with no disrespect to him. I mean, he's definitely an AFL quality player. Um, I'm not as uh, against that as a lot of North, North people on social yeah. media have been. Um, you know, I've watched a bit of him. He definitely, he'd be, he'd be best 22 for us. He'd come in and he'd play a good defensive backman role that we don't necessarily have someone for at the moment. He'd be best 22, but he's not going to be... Um, He's not going to win you a flag. Um, I I would probably rather, if we're going for... Um, I mean, I'd like to get Sin from them, who I think was pick 12 last year as part of a deal. But, it, yeah, it seems that Port doesn't really want to budge on any of their players. So it's going to have to be picks. And, you know, it either needs to be three first three-unders or it needs to be that pick two and another first for mine. Yeah, that, uh, that pick two is going to be hard to get if they don't throw in a player. West Coast are, are not interested um, as far as the and deal goes. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's rubbish. Yeah. Um, it's basically going down six spots for nothing, really. So, yeah, no, it's um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out in the next few days. Yeah, I mean, would you like would you welcome him back if he did want to come back, uh, Jason or Prince? Because there was a lot of um, comments in his social media, uh, Instagram. Yeah, I, I went and checked his Instagram the night yeah, that happened, and. Uh, uh, I did look. I did make a tweet just, just saying to some North fans that maybe jumping on an 18, 19 year old kid's social medias and uh, you know you can have some banter with him, but some of the comments were a bit inappropriate. Um, I thought anyway, and I mean that makes it hard for him to come back as a nineteen year old kid when you're getting ripped sideways on your social media. I mean, it's I'm sure he doesn't. I'm sure that kind of makes him uh, a little bit upset to come back, and you know there would be definitely a very interesting reaction from a lot of our fan base towards him next year. Um, I mean, me personally, it, it, you know, it's an industry, it's a business. If he comes back, I'll, I'll welcome him back. There won't be the excitement around him anymore, um, mm. you know, and I'll be wishing for him the best, but they'll always be sitting in the back of the mind, what's he going to do next year? Um, you know, the only thing that would get me going is if uh, he doesn't get traded and then he goes, and then he, and then he goes, all right, stuff it. I'm going to sign a deal with you guys. Yeah. That's the only way I'd be excited. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd welcome him back. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't hold anything negative against him, but it'd always be sitting in the back of my mind. You know, it's just one more year with him and then he leaves. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like, 
Yeah, I'm not too sure how I feel about it. I think time will heal all wounds. And, um, yeah, look, if he's playing for North Melbourne, I'll, I'll cheer <laughs> him on as much as any other player. But um, mm. like you said, I think I wouldn't cheer him on it as as much. And you never know. I mean, a lot of players have asked for trade requests and then they've uh, ended up staying at the club. Well, Tom Papley is a great example. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, um, I think it was Ryan O'Keefe at Sydney Swans a number of years ago. Mm. This is going back a while. Uh, asked for a trade to Hawthorne. You know, Josh Dunkley did ask for a trade to Essendon a couple of years ago. I think it was, but he's ended up leaving now. But, um, yeah, uh, things things can change. Tristan Cherry, for instance, last year asked for a trade and ended up re-signing uh, long-term for us uh, this year. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be uh, very very interesting. That's for sure. Now, there's been a lot of talk that we might uh, now GWS it looks like uh, want to get our pick one. They want to get Cadman, um, key position forward um, for number three and let's say number twelve possibly. Uh, might be even another pick after that because I think they've got four or five in the top twenty. Um, th- would that interest you? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing with GWS is they've got such a... I mean, obviously, they've lost a fair bit. Torano, Hopper's going to go, you know, Tanner Brun, But they've got, an, they've got a crazy draft end. They've got an incredible draft end, one that I think most clubs would be jealous of. Um, look, it's an interesting one. The the two players that I'm really keen on in the draft, and I, I, I've maintained this for, you know, a fair period of time now... Uh, Cadman and Chisel. They're the two that I'm the keenest on because they add to our forward line, which I think is our greatest weakness. You know, you add Chisel, who is a mid-forward, can play midfield, can be a mercurial forward, reminds me of Toby Green. And, you know, that's why I I would probably take him um, really, really high. Uh, the other one is Cadman. Um, you know, I saw a lot of conversations going around from our fans and people going, you know, we've got, we've got Charlie Comden, you know, to, but Charlie hasn't been able to get on the park. And, you know, we'll talk about, you know, Larky a little bit later, but we need someone else down there. And watching Cadman, he is, I can see why people, especially JWS, would use the, you know, the number one pick on him. He he is a real, real talent. And, you know, getting him down there with Larky adds another factor. I think he could play pretty early on in his career. Um, he's, you know, he's pretty mobile. So I, I, I'd be really, really excited to get him get him on board but I, I i guess you know you've got to weigh that up against you know whatever they are offering um so i think if you accept a deal from them you're going to accept the fact that they're going to take cadman i think that's unless they're, they're pulling an absolute and they've got something else planned then it's going to be okay we'll make a deal with you we'll slide back so we get pick three and potentially pick two from the horn deal um but you're gonna you're not going to get cadman so, as you said, uh, we've got to see what the rest of the deal is as well. You know, I've also heard pick three and, and, and 12. I've also heard like something like three, 15, 18, or 18 and 19. You know, they, they've got so many picks now and they're going to get another one for, for Hopper. So it's going to be interesting what they end up with. But, you know, it really depends on what the deal is and if we rate Cadman. Because if North is not interested in taking Cadman, then... Then yeah, absolutely take the deal. In my opinion, take the deal because you, you're still going to end up with one. You know, even even if we don't get pick two for Horn, if you have pick three, you're going to end up with one of, you know, uh, Wardlaw, Sheasel, Hadman. So you're still going to end up with a quality player. Um, and that's you know, so if we do, if we're not if we're not a hundred percent in on Cadman, we're happy to most likely lose him to GWS. Then yeah, do, take the deal. Take the deal. I mean, I would personally want that three and two other first rounders um, because that would be it's a very even draft and it would get some great quality into our club. Um, you know, if we can nail both of those deals in terms of the Horn deal and, and this deal, we could end up with five top twenty picks, which would be incredible. It'd be nice because it bring, we'd be bringing them all in under a new coaching staff um, at the same time. So it'd be it'd be very very exciting. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of um, Clarkson's first year at the club, where he got uh, Franklin Ruffin, you know, Chisel and uh, that'd Cadman be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, that could be the, that could be the duo that uh, gets us you know, <laughs> propelling for the next 10, 10 years or so. Um, so yeah, it's it is a tricky one. Look, I mean, I, I feel like GWS would just even throw three; they'll throw all those top twenty picks in for number one, uh, based because they probably feel like if they have, it's good to have five picks inside twenty. But in two years' time, there's probably going to be two or three of them asked for a trade back to exactly. Melbourne or something like that. Yeah. So I, th- I feel like they want to just get one qual- really quality forward, like a Cadman, and yeah, and that, that 
be prepared to throw the farm at it. And uh, yeah, we could end up with Cheezel and Wardlaw. So um, I think that's like yeah, I saw what um I saw what Kingy was saying earlier today, and he was all in on on getting Cadman and Cheezel if possible. Um, yeah. probably for the same reason because of the forward line thing. But yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Wardlaw personally because obviously he had a lot of injuries this year. Now he hasn't had an injury played past. It looks like it was just this year. But um, going back and looking, you know, listening to what people have had to say about him, he sounds like Clayton Oliver 2.0. So he sounds pretty, pretty yeah. handy. Yeah, he did say, he did do an interview that he seems like he's keen for Essendon, but um, yeah, you don't always get what you want. And uh yeah, no, it'd be much better wearing blue and white than uh, red and black at the moment. Anyway, with all yeah. what's going on in that club, so absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see how we go. Anyway, look, it's going to be an interesting few days. Um, I think it finishes on Wednesday. I don't know, at like six thirty. So yeah, no, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be um, happy with uh, you know keeping Jason on Francis and pick two to be honest with you, and um, oh, effectively yeah, pick two really. I mean, Will Ashcroft's going to get nominated number one, and then. Of course. Yeah, and then uh, it'll be uh, an interesting draft hand, if, uh, draft hand if we only have the pick two. Which way we go, whether it's a Wardlaw, uh, Cadman, or you know, uh, Cheezel. Um, yeah, so yeah, we'll see how we go anyway. Anyways, we'll continue with uh, end of season player reviews. Now, I'll start with um, probably our most improved and probably our best player at the moment, uh, Luke Davis Uniac. So, might be a future captain. So, this year, Averaged 24.8 possessions uh, per game, up from 21.9 in 2021. So the trajectory is going up each year. 4.4 tackles, up from 3.2. Clearances, 5.2, up from 4.5. Metres gained, 416 metres gained, uh, uh, 414, sorry, um, up from 316 the year before. And even intercepts went up this year uh, to three a game, up from 2.3. Outstanding season, particularly second half of the year. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, all those stats that you just quoted as well, that's taking into account that he had the concussion in, what, what was it, round four or five? I think he, you know, they had a, an, inter, an interrupted game. Um, and, you know, <laughs> what else can be really said about him? He ended up finishing top of player ratings for his age group. He finished 15, 15th in player ratings for all midfielders in the competition, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, a, they rank it by top 15. And he got in there. So, I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, I think the biggest thing around him is it's a shame that it took him demanding to be, demanding to be played as a midfielder for Noble and co to make that swap. Um, you know, that, that probably first half of the season, he was... You know, kind of, kind of doing his own thing at times. You know, they threw him out in the flanks a fair bit. He's he sent about attendances were, you know, almost half of what Simkin was doing. Um, it was very very weird. Uh, I think it, it, I think it was that game where Simkin missed early in the season, and LDU played the played got the most CBAs, and he absolutely tore it apart. And then the next game they threw him back on the flank. So I can understand why he went to the coaches and said, "Listen." I'm your man, put me in the midfield. Because we saw what happened when he did. He, he's got Brownlow medalists written all over him. He's an absolute machine. And I think the most exciting thing is, is a lot of the other players respect him. Um, and he's going to be somebody that, even if he doesn't become a captain, he's going to be someone that we can build that midfield around. Him and Simkin in there, once Cunners is gone, I think they've both got leadership qualities. I think Simkin probably the, probably the next captain of the club. Um and we've got. To, I just think it's, it's it's someone for all of those kids to look up to. I think it's great. Yeah, hundred percent. I think his big, big game, and where people really started noticing um, against uh, was against uh, Collingwood in round oh, seventeen, yeah. where he had thirty three touches, uh, eleven tackles, fourteen inside 50, 50s, twelve clearances till three quarter time. He was pretty much carrying a team. He was going to carry the team to a victory um, against Collingwood. Obviously, uh, got shut down a bit in the last quarter, but. Um, but, yeah, even before that, he was going pretty well. Like Geelong, where we got absolutely trounced, he got 35 touches in this game, really stood out in, in that game, sorry. Uh, GWS Giants, 33 touches. He had some really big games. Second last game, Adelaide Crows, 37 touches. Um, yeah. Are you concerned now uh, he's out of contract at the end of 2023? He's 23 years old. Um, we're going to have to pay him a, a pile of money, aren't we? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting in front of him as soon as humanly possible uh, with – the whole wheelbarrow, whatever's left, you give it yeah. to this man. He is the man. Um, yeah, we need to get around him as soon as possible. He seems like a very, very loyal player. And, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that doesn't mean that he won't leave. Um, but in the interviews that he's done, 
even when he finished second in the best and fairest, like he just seemed really happy. And the things he said about, I love this club, you know, he posts on social media about the, you know, he posted on social media about how much he loves North Melbourne. You know, he seems very, very keen to take us forward. And I, I think he'll absolutely thrive under, under Clarko and co. Um, hmm. So look, obviously we need to get in front of him with a big bucket and make him happy and rightfully so put him in, get him in a long term deal. One of those ones that Melbourne and Carlton are doing, get, get him locked up. Um, the only knock on him at all, and I'm being pedantic, is his goal kicking. I'd love to see him kick more goals. Um, you know, he he, well, he set shots and need a bit of work done, which is a shame because he can actually take a very good mark up forward. So he needs to work a little bit on his um, on his goal kicking and um, you know his accuracy. Um, but I mean, McCluggage, who's a year older, you know, he was renowned for kicking behinds until this year. And I actually think he kicked a fair few goals this year. Um, so, you know, maybe he'll all click for him. And if he starts kicking goals, he's going to be near unstoppable. But, you know, those games that you mentioned, some of them were, you know, he looked he looked next level. Um, the Collingwood game, the Adelaide game. I was watching the Collingwood game while I was in Europe. And um that was that was something else. He he absolutely tore it apart, and he 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 looked so far ahead of anyone else on the ground. Um, so it's going to be really exciting to see what he can do with another you know summer under the belt. Yeah, hundred percent. His goal kicking, career goal kicking, twenty two goals, twenty five. So that's a fair point. Uh, he kicked nine goals seven this year. Uh, nine goals is his career high in a season. So yeah, it'll be nice to kick a few more goals. Um, but uh, still. Uh, not a bad little flaw to have. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think as far as contracts go, you'll probably, you know, get five years, close to six million or something or something around that figure, you know, especially with, um, you know, uh, the salary cap going to go up uh, as well uh, in the years to come. So, yeah, no, he'll um, he'll, he'll definitely be um, highly sought after by other clubs, but I, I think you're right. Uh, you'll, uh, he's a, he seems like a very loyal player and I think he'll be here long-term. I've got no real worry about that. All right. Um, we'll go on to Luke McDonald, um, possibly yeah, another player that's uh, touted as maybe a future captain. Uh, this year, averaged 20.3 disposals, career high, um, 5.4 marks a game. Uh, everything else was similar to 2021. 20, uh, he's playing a little bit of wing, uh, half-back, defender, you know, back pocket sort of player. Where do you think his um, most natural position is? Do you think he's more of a um, rebounding defender, intercept type of player? That's a, it's a great question, isn't it? Like when I think of him at the moment, the two things that come to mind in terms of his natural skill set is I think he's a really good interceptor. I think he showed that at times that he can take some great intercept marks. And I also think that he's a good lockdown, medium to small, um, probably more mediums than smalls. Um, because he's not obviously the quickest person in the park, but he's done some really good roles on you know your Toby Green size, your Papley size, so a little bit you know, um, and I, I really really like that about him. In terms of his year as a whole, uh, yeah, I mean you could compare. I think he he had a re- like a really really good year. Was it twenty twenty? Um, yeah, that's and, where he sort of broke out, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then obviously like he he had that injury. Um, you know, he had that injury which kind of threw him around for a bit. So I think the main thing with him is I'm really excited to see what Clarko does with him in terms of tinkering with his role, seeing exactly, putting him in a single spot. Because you are absolutely right. You know, he got thrown on the wing. He got thrown, you know, down back. He's played as a tagger once or twice as well, which I actually think he does very, very well. Um, I'm thinking of that game where he absolutely tagged Bontempelli out of it. I'm surprised they haven't played him a little bit more in the midfield at times, just as a defensive midfielder. It would have been interesting had we tried to invest a bit more time into him to see what he could have become as a mid. But look, I think his best role is down back um, as a, you know, as a defender, um, medium defender. So, yeah, it would just be really interesting to, to see what Clarko decides to do with him because um, I think he's got more potential than what he's done thus far. I think he's had some solid years after 2020, but I think he, he can take, you know, 15, 20% more we can get out of him. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with uh, all that. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think he's a good uh, medium defender. He's a very good intercept player, very underrated. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, very I gut, think, courageous. I think yeah, the other thing as well, which is really uh, that a lot of people don't, you know, focus on is his leadership. Like I notice a lot watching games that when someone around him makes a mistake or someone's got their head down, he always gets the, re- he's the first bloke 
even when we're getting absolutely smacked, to go get around people, put his arm around them, try and cheer them up and try and get them going. And, you know, sometimes he can come off a little bit like a larrikin, I suppose you could say. Um, and, you know, he makes a mistake and he kind of laughs about it and people can be a little bit critical. But I think that's just his personality in terms of it's not that he's not, you know, hurting that, you know, of what we're doing or how we're going or how he's going. It's that's just his personality. And but I've seen him multiple times get around other players who are, you can tell, are visibly hurting or have made a mistake in the, the back line. And he tries to rally them. He tries to pick them up. He puts his arm around them. I think that's, you know, a really, really important leadership quality. I mean, whether or not he's the captain next year or Simkin is or they share it, you know, I'm not sure. Um, but he definitely should be, at least at a minimum, you know, the vice captain still. Um, because he's got, you know, I really appreciate actually what he does out there on the park. Yeah, I think as supporters, we would love um, 22 players like him that bleed blue and white, um, that give everything they have on a football field and leave nothing out there. Um, yeah, no, he's, yeah, no, he's, he's a great character. Like you said, a great leader at the club. Like, yeah, I did notice that a lot too. I remember his 150th game. I think we absolutely got tranced again. And he was going around players, not, not worrying about himself. You know, his 150th game, he's patting them on the back and, yeah, so, and not thinking about himself. So, yeah, no, he's look. Wouldn't surprise me if he's captain, but um, he'll definitely be in the leadership group uh, next year. And um, yeah, I mean, one thing that he did do a little bit this year, his turnovers went up a little bit this year. It was at a career high, I think, at uh, four point nine. And he's prone to the odd clanger, but um, yeah, I mean, you get that. Unfortunately, you, know. you wouldn't be a North Melbourne player if uh, you didn't uh, have the odd clanger here and there. So. I mean, it's hard to play in any position in our team, but down back, you've got a lot of pressure on you all the time. So, I mean, I'm not going to hold that against him. But led, uh, I came ninth overall in rebound 50s per game uh, this year um, in the competition, uh, which sort of says that uh, the ball spends a fair bit of time down there. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll move forward. Uh, we'll go to Matthew McGuinness, 22-year-old, uh, recently delisted. Uh, never played a game. Uh, he showed a bit, though. Like I did watch him in the reserves for a few games. Uh, had a good left foot, didn't he? The whole thing with McGuinness seems like a bit of a waste to me. Um, you know, our, our back line was a, was a sieve at times this year. You know, there was there was the games where we had no key defenders and Noble was throwing Mackay down there. I didn't see the value. I mean, he was moving Mackay up forward and and then we weren't, you know, we were we had no tools in the back line and we were just getting goals kicked against us. Uh, it made no sense. I don't understand why we didn't give him a shot. Um, as you said, he... He racked up disposals at VFL level. Now, I understand it's VFL level, but he seemed competent defensively. He used to take marks. He used to rack up disposals. Uh, you know, I just it's just, it's a very, very weird one for mine. I understand he's, he had a slight body. He made a couple turnovers, and I've seen him make a few silly errors at VFL level, but no more than anyone else. He It, it, it was just a very weird decision for me to keep him in that Cat B slot for so long. And then you know him show some show a fair bit at VFL level, and then go, oh no, we're going to get rid of you now. It just yeah, it, it it didn't make sense that we did not at least give him a shot. Yeah, it was, it was bizarre because at the start of the year we were talking him up. Even I don't know if you remember, David Noble was talking him up uh, before you know round one. Oh, uh, that uh, yeah, we got him back after you know a couple of years of injuries uh, with a foot injury. I remember he had he had a really uh, bad fracture in his foot mm. that uh, kept him out for about twelve months. Um, and then yeah, he was talking him up and he's an emergency uh, for the first, I don't know, probably th you know, three out of the first six games. And then all of a sudden he just fell off the face of the earth. Once we started getting a couple of players back, uh, um, yeah, he, he wasn't even considered. And he was playing some good, uh, you know, had some good form in the v VFL. You know, he had 28 possessions against uh, Footscray uh, Bulldogs in the VFL in round four. Uh, 25 in round nine against Sandringham uh, Zebras. Just a really good, kick, you know, uh, solid kick. Like, he kicked the ball a lot. Like, he would get 22 kicks, yeah. three handballs. Uh, very early, he used his hands. But um, it, was just, yeah. it was just a bizarre one. I just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It was just bizarre that he didn't get a shot. Um, I, talking about people at the start of the year, you know, I think last year, in the last couple drafts, actually, when we were, criticised for not picking up a key defender. Um, I actually reckon Rawlings brought up his name and said, oh, you know, we're, we've got, you know, McGuinness, we're really excited about him. We think he could become an elite defender and that's why we didn't go and pick a defender up at the draft. And, well, yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit of all, all talk at the end of the day. Like, he was a very slight frame, so maybe that was held against him a little bit. Though. But, um, yeah, I remember that game against Carlton. We had uh, Aiden Bonner playing on Harry Mackay and, um, you know, uh, a couple other smalls. Oh, I think it was Corin Hayden was playing as a, you know, as a second or third uh, uh, tall defender. So, it would have been, yeah, it would have been nice for him to get an opportunity to get one or two games just to see what he's got. Um, if he's good enough, but uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, he never never played a game and probably never will play AFL. Uh, he's already 22 years old, so yeah, uh, that's just how it goes. Unfortunately, we'll move on. Uh, Miller Bergman. Now he only played one game. Uh, got a really bad shoulder injury uh, in that game. Now he, like, oh, he only played it just over a quarter, but he looked well out of his depth. Now, we talked about Matthew McGuinness um, and how he didn't get a game. Now, Miller Bergman shouldn't have been picked for that game. Look, you look at his height, 188 centimetres, weight 65 kilos. Um, it was a bit of a mistake, wasn't it, playing him that game? I mean, we haven't seen enough of him. His reserves form was okay, but, um, yeah, I just felt like it was a mistake playing him that game. How did you see it? It was against Carlton, I remember. Yeah, I, I, I remember that game. Um... Poor bloke walks out into an A-field field, doesn't get a stat, and then gets his shoulder destroyed. Uh, it's a pretty rough debut. Um, yeah, look, I completely agree with you. He definitely wasn't ready. He had shown some good signs at VFL level. Um, you know, he would have been worthy of getting a go towards the end of the year, I would have thought. But mm. he's very slightly built. And, you know, he you could tell that. I mean, the fact that he took a hip and shoulder and he's shoulder absolutely got caved in. I mean, it was just really, really unfortunate. Yeah. I like him as a pickup. Um, I like that we picked him up. You know, I was able to watch a fair bit of him um, uh, when we drafted him. Um, and he looked really, really good. You know, he 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 looked like a hard worker, working guy. Um, he was a really good, true attacking defender. He would take it on. He was a good kick, good runner. Um, and he was actually bursting off the back line. I think he played for the Stingrays, um, but he was he burst off the back line, and I think he averaged like it was like a goal a game or something in that year. So he could play off half back, but also drift forward, hit the hit the scoreboard. Um, so he, yeah, I really really liked him as a pickup, um, but he's just not ready yet. Yeah, no, he did. No, he wasn't ready, and unfortunately, yeah, did it. Yeah, his, his first possession, he did shoulder, um, got slammed to the turf uh, a little bit hard, and yeah, um, unfortunately, that, that's that's what happens. Uh, any chance um, his brother could come across? Well, it's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, as part of the Horn deal, some people mentioned oh, his brother. Um, yeah, I did say that. I mean, I again, I, I'd probably rather sin in that deal because um, I believe his, his brother didn't play a whole heap of games this year I, I think because I, he's I think he's played for two years and I think in his first year he played 20 or 20 might have played I think he played all the games maybe even finals as well so um, but I think he only played like five to ten games this year so I'm not sure if he was injured or not um, or if that's what or, or if he just fell out of favor but he I mean he played a lot of games in his first year and he, he looked looked pretty decent. I think he was averaging like 15 disposals or something straight off the bat. Um, so, look, he'd, he'd definitely be promising. Um, I mean, obviously, similar type of player, winger, halfback, attacker. Um, but, I mean, he, yeah, I, if he if he got thrown into the deal, I, I'd be happy with that. Um, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's, um, yeah, no, that'll be interesting. Like, sometimes, um, yeah, brothers together can um, yeah play play their best footy together. Uh, you see that quite often, with, you know. So yeah, no, it's, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting uh, to see if um, because he hasn't been ruled out as far as I know. I mean, they've ruled out every other player besides him and uh, Josh Sin, Port Adelaide. So yeah, like you said, I'd rather Josh Sin, but um, yeah, if uh, Miles Bergman wants to come across. And, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Now, he uh, played 21 games in 2021. So, mm. yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not too sure what happened to him this year, whether he got an injury. I think he did. But, um, yeah, I'd have to look more into that. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see how we go um, with that anyway and um, go from there. Uh, we'll go to the next one. Nick Larkey, 24, out of contract 2024. Kicked, uh, played 20 games, 38 goals this year. Uh, down for 42, but um, he played 22 games last year. So pretty similar. Uh, error analysis is pretty similar. Doesn't get much of the uh, ball, 9.7 possessions a game and so forth. He just needs a bit of help, doesn't he? Yeah, look, I thought overall he had a good year. Um, 
obviously kicked a little bit more uh, last year, but I think I think he had a good year. He had his ups and downs. He, you know, he had patches of the year where he was playing poorly, and then had other patches where he was right on top of many. You know, he had that big bag, which was exciting to yeah. see um, against the Swans. That was it towards the end of the year. Um, yeah. Kind of unfortunately seemed to swap his form around with Zerha. Um, so when Zerha was was playing well, it was like he couldn't get a touch, and then and then Zerha kind of dropped off when Larky got going. So it'd be nice for the both of them to kind of get going and explode at the same time. But yeah, I think look, you hit the nail on the head. He was being I've, I I don't remember seeing a player get double teamed as much in in me watching all of in my whole history of watching football as much as Nick Larky. He just our forward entries, I mean, we were pretty putrid this year in comparison to most teams I've probably watched, but our forward entries were so poor. Every single time we went forward, he had two, three people on him. It was only those games towards the end of the year where we got a little bit better on our momentum, our, our, our transition, and then we could actually get the ball to him, and he looked dangerous. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is he, he just needs someone down there. We can't be playing... We can't be playing games with him and arresting Ruck, and that's all you've got. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We need another big key forward with him who is either, you know, the, the second or someone who's better than him who can come in and, and make him the second. So yeah, I completely agree. We need to get someone else in there to help him because he has all the he has all the attributes, you know. Whenever you listen to any of the big key forwards, Nick Rayvold, just uh, you know, Jonathan Brown, etc., and you uh, you you ask them or you hear them talk about, you know, Nick Larkey, the you know the main thing that they say is, you know, I love his work rate. He works really hard. You see his kilometres that he have, uh, covers in a game. It's very very high. He he works for it. He's just having to work so hard because, well, we're we're north, um, and because he doesn't have that help. And uh, yeah, as I said earlier, that's probably one of the main reasons why I'd like to get Cadman into the side because while he's a kid, at least it gives you someone dangerous. And, and unless Charlie Comden can get his body right, um, you know, we're going to end up with it just being Nick Larky running around doing it. I mean, we don't have any other options. There's no other key forwards on the list um, unless they're going to play Josh Walker again up forward, which, you know, I, I don't think the answer. So... Um, yeah, we need to get someone down there to help him. Yeah, I mean, we can't rely, like, as much as I like uh, Charlie Conway, we can't rely on him to stay fit and healthy. He's had a number of injuries over his, uh, you know, two or three years that he's been in the AFL system. So he's only played two games as well. Um, he shows a lot. Like, he's got tremendous athleticism. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Jared Waite hmm. uh, in the way he plays, and uh, he wears the same number as he, he wore as well. So... Yeah, I mean, if we can get continuity in his body, then, yeah, he'll be a handy, you know, second foil um, with uh, Nick Larkey. And then you can probably f- throw in a Callum Coleman-Jones down there to help as that uh, big, tall, you know, resting Ruckman as well. Yeah, there's no problem having a Ruckman as the third tall, but, uh, yeah, yeah we, we play them as the second and then it just falls awful, always falls to pieces. No, that's right. Yeah, full structure was uh, horrible this year. Um, yeah, just uh, even... The way you know uh, teams rebounded out of our four, yeah, you know, uh, out of our yeah four fifty was um yeah was was pretty ordinary. Uh, a lot of teams scored against uh, in transition against us because uh, it was either poor, poor ball use or just um, yeah being too top heavy or a number of other things and not having enough um, you know small defenders. I mean, oh, to be honest, I, I don't think uh, you know Jack Siebel will, will be playing that forward line on a regular basis next year. So it might give it an opportunity to you know. Uh, you know, a, a defensive type of forward that's uh, got a bit of pace uh, that can you know, get in front square to Nick Larky as well, um, which would be handy. So we'll, we'll see what happens with a draft or whether we um, yeah pick someone up, up uh, in the trade period. So, yeah, he definitely needs another tall player there to help him. Uh, we'll go to Patrick Walker. Uh, never played a game. Um, and never looked like it really, did he? Like, uh, I don't think, I can't remember him even being in an emergency this year. And, you know, I remember he played uh, the pre-season game against Melbourne and he had a really good first quarter. It had a good body. I thought, oh, this guy shows a bit. Got a, got a good kick. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange one. He just never excelled at, um, yeah, VFL level. And, yeah, it was never, yeah, that's it pretty much, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think last year he got named as emergency a fair few times. But you can, yeah, you're completely right. He, he dropped off the pecking order this year in particular. I, look, I think it's a little bit of a wasted opportunity. Uh, 
because I, I do agree, you know, the preseason games that he did play, I, I like what I saw. And I like what I saw in some of the VFL games, particularly that he played last year. Um, I think last year he really should have been given a go. He, I thought he was ahead of some others and played some good football. This year, I don't know, maybe he just lost confidence. But, he, yeah, he definitely wasn't pushing for a spot as much as as much as much he was prior. Um, so, look, it, again, it, it, it's a bit of a shame. Um, it would have been nice for him to push for a spot last year and then maybe he could have made a career of it. But he, I think this year he was just a victim of too many others that could do the job he was doing. Because, I mean, really, what was his position? You know, he played a lot of wing. He played, you know, off the flanks, etc. But, you know, that's something that we've been trying, you know, a lot of other players on. So I think he was just a victim of the fact that there were other players who were preferred by the coaching staff, by the by the selection panel to do those roles. Um, and, it, yeah, unfortunately for him, he just didn't have the year that he had last year. Um, at VFL level, to actually push, push for a position. So, look, it's disappointing for him. It would have been nice, um, you know, for him to have carried on from that preseason game, as you said. But, yeah, I guess it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just looking at his VFL uh, statistics throughout the year, he had a lot of uh, games between the 15 and 25 possession uh, sort of area. So, I don't know whether they deemed like well, he's probably just not good enough. He can't take that next step forward. Um, where they thought, well, he's got to be dominated VFL to get an AFL game. Yeah, I, I don't know what the, it, like he's probably the only one that could tell us, and maybe the coaching staff, um, you know, uh, why he wasn't getting a game really, or not even considered. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, that's just the way it goes. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it, I think he would have been one of the first uh, players to listed in the off season. So, yeah, it's just the way it goes. But, um, yeah, we'll finish with uh, a player that did impress us, uh, Paul Curtis. Uh, should have got uh, best first year play. Now, now that we know what we know, I think, uh, yeah, I think yep. we would have given it to him. To be honest with you, um, yeah. Look, amongst rising stars, fifth in contested marks, fifth amongst total contested marks in 2022. He's not as um, small as I thought. Like he's 185 centimeters, which is about mid size, uh, 75 kilos. But he was a good defensive forward as well. He's uh, great skills. He's got he's a complete package, isn't he? I really, really like him. And to your point, just there about getting best first year player. I, I remember the Adelaide when they had Jack Gunston and he won that award. And then he said, oh, I'm going to Hawthorne and they took it off him. <laughs> maybe we, maybe yeah. we should have done that one. Um, no, I really, really like him. Uh, the first thing I think of him when I think of Curtis, I have the picture from that uh, in my head of him against uh, Richmond when he took that commanding mark on Vlosten. Uh, you know, big yeah. contested yeah, mark right. on, 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 on Vlosten, who's a quality defender. So he's, yeah, he's, he's small, but he's he's a genuine forward who can, who's strong above his head. He, he adds a lot of pressure. And, you know, I'm really excited to see what he can do with better structure because obviously most people say that the most difficult position in, in a team is the small forward role. And I think he did a decent job of it in, you know, possibly the worst team ever. So, you know, he, he, you know, I thought he gave a real, real fair crack at it. He looked exciting. He, he knew what to do with ball in hand. He, I watched him at VFL level at the start of the year. Actually, well, one of my friends is a, is a Bulldog supporter, and we went and watched the pre-game to uh, the uh, Good Friday game. And I think he kicked three or four goals that day. Like, he would just grab the ball. He used mercurial with it. And he looked, and I went, you know, I see him live, and I thought, geez, he is a talent. And so I'm really, really glad that, you know, he got into the team. He was unlikely to not get a rising star nom some weeks. I thought he, you know, he had some really good weeks, but other people might have just had better. But, yeah, I'm really, really, really excited to, to see what he can do. I think he'll be a quality small forward, and I think he's got a high ceiling. Yeah, like we talked about Toby Green uh, before. I think he's a good comparison with that. He's just got that X factor about him. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited as well. I saw Taryn uh, on one of Taryn's many um, social media posts. Uh, I saw Taryn's been uh, dragging him along to uh, that training training program, training company that he's 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 doing. Um, there was a video of those two on the treadmill and and, and stuff together at that gym or whatever you want to call it. So, um, I mean, that's great to see that he's he's decided to do his preseason, getting around Taryn, getting into the gym and trying to get ripped and fit. So, I mean, that's really exciting. Because, I mean, a lot, a lot of the kids would be, you know, oh, I've done my first year. I'm going to go have a bit of a social life now and celebrate. And it seems like he's just gone, no, well, I'm going to get 
I'm going to crack in and really, really have a good go at it. And that's exciting. Yeah, you seem to uh, form a good uh, friendship with uh, Jason and Francis as well uh, throughout the course of the year. They seem to have uh, a little bit of a bond there. Um, so hopefully, who knows, maybe that uh, might uh, sway Horn uh, Francis to stay another season. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But, um, yeah, look, uh, there's there's definitely um, a lot of skill and a lot of X factor about him. And, and um, you know, the type of player that can win you a game, you know, a game or two throughout the year just um, by kicking six and, you know, doing all sorts of, uh, you know, um, great stuff, you know, like, uh, yeah, just mercurial sort of stuff, like a Toby Green sort of thing that will just win you a game, you know, one, you know, one or two a year. And, yeah, he seems to like uh, the pressure moments. Like you said, that mark against Waston, you know, he's a very good, um, you know, mid-sized defender, very good one-on-one player. And he just, yeah, outmarked him like there was nothing. Yeah, so, yeah, very special talent and uh, someone uh, we can very, uh, you know, that we're excited about for, for the future. Uh, he's out of contract at the end of 2025. They signed him up pretty quick this year, which is really good to see. So, yeah, we don't have to worry about him um, for another three more years, which is um, which is great. So, yeah, and probably on good money as well. So, yeah, no, that'll be that's, – that's actually a good uh, <clears throat> bit of business by the club. Uh, anyways, Jesse, did you want to add anything else before I let you go? That's it for the players' review. No, no, good, good to be joining you again. It's obviously been a um, – a pretty crazy few days since the you know since the trade period started and and, and Horn decided to to go home. Um, so you know it's been a, it's been a crazy period and I'm sure it's going to be a crazy period for the next week. Um, you know we'll have a million trades uh, prophesized um, and probably one of them will happen. So look, it will be really really interesting to see what happens over the next week. I, I'm keen to see what we can get done. Um, I think we've already made some great improvements to our side over what we had this year. And I think, it, yeah, it'll be just really, really exciting. I think immediately we should see an increase based on what we've done. And yeah. I think we've got an opportunity to, to to really get some players in and fill some gaps. Yeah, 100%. Do you find it bizarre that they, they don't really seem to do anything over the weekend? I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, it's going for six weeks a year. It's, uh, you know, just a week and a half, and they seem to just stop over the weekend. Like, oh, we've got the weekends to ourselves. Let's come back Monday. It's very odd. Does, does the AFL even allow trades on the weekends? I don't even know. Don't even know what the rules are. To be honest, the trade period is a very bizarre period of time. I mean, you've got you've got the Geelong and Gold Coast meeting with the NFL at the moment to determine what they can do and if they can do certain things and try and change rules. And I mean, it's a bit of a circus. And I mean, it's probably an indictment on the AFL. The AFL that they, they run the thing like they do. But yeah, you're exactly right. I, the weekend kind of just seems to get spent by by the clubs as talking to one another and the media kind of beating it up and coming up with all these new things that aren't actually going to happen and then we get to Monday and it kind of happens again. Um, yeah. you, you you know, it is going to be a really weird trade period though. I think you said straight off the bat that it's very rare for a club to, you know, not get a deal done and to, you know, walk people to the draft. I think this is the, the first year that I've seen clubs trying to get players and undersell as much as they are this year. Like we've seen a good couple ones. Richmond, I thought, fair to, paid a fair price for Tarando. It looks like they're going to pay a fair price for Hopper. So good on those two clubs for actually sitting down and getting something done. Um, you know, good good on GWS getting a, a deal done for Bruin. Um, you know, it was probably it is what it is at the end of the day. But then you've got some other clubs who just, for lack of a better word, seem to be taking the piss this year. Um, <laughs> oh, well, we can just walk players into our club and, and that's not just not just Port Adelaide this you know you've got the Jackson deal you got the you got the Dunkley deal etc it just seems like clubs have got this expectation that they can do it you know get who they want for nothing um so it's been a it's been a weird trade period it doesn't seem like people are getting on very well so it'll be a very interesting week yeah it's, well I mean like I think it's important to build relationships you look at someone like Dodoro um you know who tries to fleece everybody and then tries to you know, um, ask for nothing to get a play in return. Uh, at the end of the day, they can only get you so far. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I remember last year, um, you know, Bobby Hill, I think uh, uh, GWS had a better offer probably last year. I think they had an early second rounder for Bobby Hill. And they sort of said, no, nah, no, nah, we're, not, we're not dealing with you. You, you can stay. Uh, all based on the past um, with the way they deal with things. So, yeah, whereas this year they got a worse offer and I'm happy to take it with Collingwood. So, yeah, um, it's important that you build those relationships because it's going to go both ways eventually. And if you're going to be a Adrian Dodora, and he seems to be the only one that um, survives the cult at that club. They, they seem to sack everyone else besides him. I find that bizarre, don't you? 
it's, I mean, I'm not, I don't know how much I can comment on the you know, mechanisms of, of, of the Essendon Football Club. Um, I mean, they do a really good job of, of, of taking some of the heat off us, which is oh, 100%. Good. But, um, I mean, that's, oh, God, God when did we start with them, that debacle the last few weeks. Oh, look, to be fair to them, I'm going to give them, uh, give them a tick. I actually think that they got Brad Scott right. I think he was the best available. Yeah, and I think where they're at the moment, he'll come in there, he'll set some standards. And I think he was a lot better coach than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, I think he did a lot with our list. That was, I think we only had a decent list maybe one of those years. And I think he did a good job. So well done. They got the coach sorted and good on them. But yeah, the, the rest is a bit of a mess. I mean, yeah, Dador is an interesting one. He... Um, I think sometimes he gets a bit of a rough rap. I think some of his recruiting has been pretty good. Um, I think some of the kids they've picked up over the last few years have been pretty good. I mean, from a trade perspective, uh, Peter Wright won their best and fairest year, he kicked fifty odd goals. I mean, so there are there is a lot of trades that I think they've done really well. They've done a lot of recruiting well, etc. But there's a lot of things they could have done a lot better. So he's got a very mixed. Um, he's got a very mixed history, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Oh, the only thing that concerns me with Brad Scott is I don't think he's a is the fans' choice. And if they start off poor next year, they're going to get uh, right on him. And the way they their board reacts, they'll give him a year and a half, and then they'll just I, get rid of him. I could not agree with you more. My concern is that the fans. You had this whole uh, I don't know church of people who just wanted, you know, wanted James Heard coming back. It was like a cult um, yeah. of people just on social media demanding Heard and, and, and you know, Sheedy's going to lead the place with Heard and they're going to get the job done. And it was it was very fanatical. Um, and then you had some more level-headed Essendon supporters who were open to Adam Uze and, and, and Brad Scott, etc. And I think a lot of them were happy that Brad Scott, but it's, I mean, the problem is with a team with a membership base that large is you're going to have a lot of division. And... Yeah, my concern is based on their history of their last two coaches and what happened with them um, and how they were treated. And I think both Usher and, and Truck were you know, treated extremely poorly. So, I mean, Brad's going to have to be strong. Um, I think he's prepared for that. I mean, he went to the AFL and did a decent job as well. He must have done a decent job there um, the last couple of years. And I think he's got a very strong personality to cop it. They just need to get board stability because you're exactly right. While they've put him on a was a five year deal or something, they might have put him on a three year deal. Or um, I mean, that could easily become one year if he has a bad year, just because of how how those big clubs function. Um, so yeah, they definitely need to get some board stability um, because yeah, I, look, I know it's Essendon, but I, I'd like for him I'd like for him to succeed in some manner because I do like Brad Scott. Yeah, no, I, I think yeah, yeah, no, he did a very good job with us. Um, I mean, that's that's divided, but uh, yeah, look, yeah, uh, he, he certainly uh, had his moments where he did uh, do a lot of talking, and you know, it felt like uh, hollow words at some at some points. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people that worked uh, internally within the club, you know, Ricky Mangidis, who I've had on the show a number of times, uh, really talks him up. And, um, yeah, look, I think he'll do a good job if he's given time. But, um, yeah, I'm not too sure if he's going to get that. Anyways, uh, Jesse, I didn't want to make this an incident podcast. So, yeah, I don't know why we, <laughs> why I sort of diverted to that. But, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll move on. Um, yeah, thanks very much for coming on the show, Jesse. And I'm sure I'll chat to you soon. Well, good. Thank you for having me. So thanks to Jesse for coming on the show once again. And, yeah, it's going to be an interesting a few days coming up. Obviously, trade period uh, finishes off Wednesday, so I'll probably get a few people on to talk about that over um, after that. Um, obviously, the girls are playing tomorrow. So, yeah, at 5.10 at Arden Street. So I hope the ground's okay because we had it... Uh, a heap of rain today. I was, I, look, I was looking for a bigger word, but uh, obviously my vocabulary wasn't uh, thinking of anything. So, yeah, I came up with a pretty simple English word in heap. Um, but we had a lot of rain today. And, yeah, it was. Um, I, I was driving home and the roads were flooded. So hopefully the ground's okay and we can play there tomorrow. An all-important game against the top of uh, table uh, Brisbane Lions. So <clears throat> definitely try and get down or at least uh, try and you know, support the girls watching on TV. It's going to be a cracking game. So really... Really looking forward to that. It's supposed to be um, a fairly decent day, not um, raining, no rain as far as I know. So, yeah, get down there as long as the roads are okay, not flooded. Um, once again, thanks to all you lovely listeners for all the retweets, likes, comments uh, you guys do. Uh, Patrick Allwood, Maddie Robinson, Ian, uh, Ian Burns, I think it is. 
Um, yes, yeah, so I really appreciate all the comments, uh, retweets, and all the shout-outs you do for the show. It, um, I really appreciate it. Like uh, I know I've said that uh, a few times, but uh, yeah, it, uh, it means it means a lot to me. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's great that you guys are, are putting uh, the word out there. I know you don't have to do it, so yeah, no, I'm very grateful for that. So I'll probably be back uh, early next week um, with a review of uh, of the girls. Um, game uh over uh yesterday uh tomorrow what am i talking about um my english is uh really suffering at the moment so obviously i'm struggling so yeah no i'll do a uh, review of that um i'll probably and i'll probably um obviously do a, a talk a, a talk a podcast about um the trade period as well um how we finish up with that hopefully um there's more deals to come um I'll, look at the end of the day i'd like i'll yeah, I'd like to keep Jason on Francis, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, yeah, if he does get traded, um, yeah, I'll have that covered and we'll get a few people's opinions on that. So that's it. As you can tell, I'm struggling. I'm about an hour into this show. So, yeah, I'm pretty much out of legs. Uh, I felt like I've run a marathon because, um, yeah, that's just, uh, that's just the way it is. So today I will leave a shout-out to Severia Rocker. Bye for now.